Welcome to Skull Stories, presented by CenturyLink, trusted technology partner of the Minnesota Vikings. Tonight, Pete Bursich and I are catching up with former Vikings wide receiver and special teams captain, Chris Walsh. Well, Pete, before we uh, catch up with your friend, Chris Walsh, former teammate of yours, let's uh, discuss what happened last Sunday at U.S. Bank Stadium against Tennessee. A very frustrating day. The Vikings aren't used to blowing leads, big leads at home in particular. Then you have Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson just going off, and yet uh, Tennessee found a way to win, which has kind of been their M.O. this season. At least you can walk away from this one with some positives. You had a few really, really good individual performances. I'm really excited about the Jefferson situation. You know, I'm glad the way they, I love the way they integrated him into the game plan. You know, Dalvin Cook obviously looks looks good and looks the part. I think against the, this Houston Texans team coming up, they're struggling to stop the run. I think that uh, Dalvin Cook is going to put a good two-week uh, series here together. Well, let's transition into our guest tonight. Uh, let's give our younger fans a particular glimpse of what Chris Walsh was all about. And I think of Chris Walsh as someone who covered him for all those years, especially going back to the 98 season. I just think of his work ethic. I mean, this man had a nonstop motor and uh, really took that to heart every single game. Yeah, he did. And I've known Chris since the late 80s. He was my host when I visited Stanford. So coming out of high school, oh, no I visited kidding. Stanford. Denny Green was the head coach. Uh, and Chris Walsh was uh, my host when I was there. But the one thing about Chris, too, Chris played a game with a broken face. He was one of the toughest guys that, uh, that you'll ever meet. I mean, he was, he was on the field constantly. Uh, he always would say he'd never make the club in the, in the ice tub. And, you know, he did that. But, yeah, he had a broken bone on the side of his head. And went out there and they kind of, I don't know if they taped him up or whatever, but he played. So, one of all the things I remember about Chris, he was one – tough dude. Yeah, he he found a way not only of making the team, but staying on the team, no matter what role that uh, either Denny Green or any other coach he played for wanted him to be in. Uh, what they call a utility type guy, and he would do whatever you asked him to do, very smart, um, and, a, and a, you know, and a good wide receiver. With that, you think about the receiving room that he was in with Chris Carter, Jake Reed, Randy Moss, Cadre <laughs> Ismail, etc., it's hard to find your way on the field with those guys in front of him, but he still made the team, and produced as a as a special teamer and in this day and age of the NFL I don't think his numbers will ever be surpassed you know people just don't make 30 special teams tackles in a season anymore you know the, the fiery special teams leader of the Minnesota Vikings Chris Walsh and, and Chris thanks a lot for joining us and uh how first of all just tell us how's life you're in San Diego right now and that's got to be a pretty good situation to be in yeah it's pretty good I've been, I've been coming out here in the summers for for a long time because it's so hot in Phoenix right now having a lot of visitors from Phoenix mm-hmm. coming out uh, <laughs> I got the my second bedroom is full of people all the time I just had like brought two brothers out and we went deep sea fishing uh caught a bunch of t- uh, yellowfin tuna yeah just kind of just living hanging now, Chris, you're not you're not originally a California kid. How did you? Uh, how, I mean, how did you make that evolution to living out there? Was it from Stanford? Uh, was it uh, what was it about that? What the West Coast? That's that's you I went to high in love with. college in uh, Northern California, in junior high in Southern California. We moved around a lot growing up. So um, Cleveland to Minneapolis to St. Louis to Chicago to L.A. to San Francisco and back to Cleveland. Uh, my dad worked for Sherwin Williams and uh, promotional transfer. So I'm kind of used to being two places, maybe six months in one place and six months <laughs> the other. And uh, so I kind of evolved into just basically getting out of the heat. What comes to mind, Chris, uh, when you think about your time in the Minnesota Vikings, beyond any game 
uh, any particular season, although 98 does stand out. But uh, just experiencing and think about how long ago that feels right now. But many, maybe in many ways, it feels like it was yesterday. Yeah, it still burns. It's the, the 90th season was great. It still still stings. I think about it often still. That was a great team, and it was a lot of fun. And no one knew how to handle Randy, you know, and Cunningham to throw it forever. And, uh, you know, Robert Smith. I mean, you just go down the list, and Johnny and Eddie. And that was a really, really talented team. It reminds me a lot of the, the Buffalo team that I was on in 92 and 93 that went to the last two Super Bowls. Just talented on both sides of the, of the football. You know, they, that was Thurman Thomas and Bruce Smith and, mm-hmm. you know, Jim Kelly and on and on and on, all those guys. So, um, yeah. That's, that was a great season. That was, that was a lot of fun. Now, Chris, you, um, you knew Denny Green better than most, having him been, you know, having him been your college coach um, with his passing. What are some of the memories? What are some of the things you think about when you uh, think back and think of Denny Green? Well, you know, I was three years with Denny at Stanford, then eight years with the Vikings, then I coached with the Cardinals for a year mm. um, with him as well. I'm a huge Denny Green fan. You know, he, was, he was organized. He was tough, but he was fair. And uh, some of the speeches were just, we repeat the same speeches from, from college <laughs> to the pros. And I was like, oh, I've heard this one. <laughs> so. I, know, I know you have to catch yourself saying some of the things that Denny would say, march all night, fight all day. All, you know, what, are, what are some of your favorites that you hear yourself saying again? The, well, it's like the, the five Ps, proper, proper preparation prevents poor performance. Uh, <laughs> And then it was uh, the three D's, dedication, desire, and discipline. And he got all these little acronym things that he would say. And uh, you remember when, when uh, Fernando Smith was talking in the back of the locker room and Denny's, mm-hmm. Fernando, <laughs> I, I was, you know, I, I respect him so much. But he still, I was never comfortable around him. He scared the crap out of me. You know, I played college at Notre Dame with Lou Holtz, who was similar in a lot of ways. But I, I just think Denny got the same kind of results out of all of us. He did it in a way – it's like love and fear. I mean, with, with Lou, you just, you feared messing up because he would take you out and bench you. Right. But with Denny, you just, you just wanted to be one of his guys. Right. You just wanted to, you, he was like a father. You just wanted to make, you know, make him happy. Yeah. I, I felt very fortunate when, <laughs> uh, when he came to Stanford and then uh, I was able to come to the Vikings after a couple of years in Buffalo. I think our staff at Stanford was Brian Billick, was receivers coach. Tyrone Willingham was a running back coach. Willie Shaw was a defensive coordinator. Uh, Ron Turner was the offensive coordinator. We had a staff, and he did a good job of building a staff in Minnesota, too. And, and then, he, then he would say he coached the coaches, you know, and he was very um, assertive. And if he didn't like a play, take it out. And he's really good at keeping us off our feet too much. On, on, you know, with Tice, we were on the field for four hours, four and a half hours. Mm. Denny, Denny didn't want us on the field. He wanted us to have fresh legs. You know, they had a certain amount of time they had to get their plays. If they didn't get it in, that's too bad. You know, we're, we're moving on. So I thought we were always fresh, it felt like. Chris, your, your team, getting back to 98 in particular, and Viking fans who are listening right now, uh, who are around, remember quite well. But you got so many big personalities, but normally those personalities don't uh, slide over to special teams. But then you look at your special teams yourself, the superstar Mike Morris, Mitch Berger with the sticker. But you had some characters even on special teams, and that, that kind of probably made the whole thing kind of fit. And if you could speak to some of that uh, nonsense that you dealt with on a daily basis. You know, they were playing, they'd have Welcome to the Jungle, you know, for the kickoff. And then right. we all backed up. And, uh, you know, you had Mitch and Gary Anderson. And Mitch was big personality, you know. And uh, Gary... <laughs> Which you know, it was, it was just great. And uh, Griff played some special teams still. Right, he was he was starting them. Yeah. Harold Morrow. Harold Morrow. Yeah. yeah. You. Mo Mo Williams. Mo Williams. Yep. Yeah. 
he was very respectful of the guys. And I think that's how you, you can do it with uh, the big personalities. Uh, and then another Dennyism is uh, know your role, accept your role, and perfect your role. If you don't think uh, your role is what it should be, then come see me. Chris, talk talk about the game as it stands today. I know you finished well in the top ten in, in, in career special teams tackles. Think about it. That number will probably never be broken or surpassed with the changes in the game. I mean, what do you think of the game special teams wise as you uh, as you see it now? You know, having the most special teams tackles is like having the most home runs in minor leagues, right? <laughs> <laughs> Not good enough to be a starter. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's hey. different, you know. You, you just don't, you, there's not a lot of returns. The kickoff return is almost not, non-existent. You know, the punt game, the, the guys are kicking the ball a lot farther. It seems like seeing 60-yard punts all the time, but it's not. It's not. It's not the same. It's the physicality of it. You know, and you you can't peel back and block guys and ear hole them and any of that stuff. So the game's different, you know. And, and I think it's good for the players' longevity, you know, for their long-term health. Um, but I'm I'm old school. I miss the big hits. You can't really hit anybody. I feel I feel bad for the defensive guy. <laughs> and they, just, they can't do anything right. And the place happens so fast, and guy lowers his head, and then they have a head collision, and out of the game or a penalty. What did you think about the fan experience all the time, being at home at, at the Metrodome? Now they get U.S. Bank Stadium, and, and it seemed like Minnesota always had a, a real home field advantage, and, and the fans who are listening right now had such a big part of it. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't you know probably the easiest turf to play on, but describe the, uh, the fan experience from a player's perspective. We had great fan support and still do, um, and the stadium kind of reverberated, so it was louder in there than most stadiums. And that was a definite home field advantage, especially like in 98. You know, it was always tough going to Seattle. They have a really good fan base and it's a really loud stadium. And that's a huge advantage. It just definitely makes a difference. Chris, did you have a favorite stadium to play in and then the least favorite one to play in? I love hmm. Chicago before they redid it. when it was just like, like a Roman Coliseum. And I always played well there. I had a touchdown there against the Bears in 97 at the end of the game um, from Brad. Yeah, so you know his his kids at LSU and Bauman's kids at North Dakota State. Crazy lefties, they're both studs. Yep. They're studs. And Jake Reed, Jake Reed's son was at Georgia. I mean, yeah. you know, you're seeing these, you know, Randy Moss's son at LSU. I mean, yep. you, you 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 know you're getting old when your teammates' <laughs> kids <Yeah>. are playing <laughs> college football. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Do you want an inside look into U.S. Bank Stadium on game day? Tune into Vikings pregame all access for an exclusive live stream pregame show providing behind the scenes content prior to all Vikings home games. Vikings pregame all access airs at 11 a.m. on Vikings.com, the Vikings app, Vikings connected TV and social media platforms. We'll be right back with more Skull Stories right after this. Don't miss your chance to virtually meet fan-favorite football heroes all season long. CenturyLink has teamed up with your Minnesota Vikings for the Legends Connection meet-and-greet sweepstakes. To enter, visit vikings.com slash promotions. And now let's get back to more Skull Stories with Chris Walsh. Yeah, are you watching a lot of football? Because it is uh, on television, and uh, Pete and I have both been at U.S. Bank, of course, and you really can't hear any noise at all. The murmur that goes through the stadium is such that it really isn't effective. Until you watch it on TV, then you feel like you're watching it with a lot of fans because they pipe up the, the noise level on television. As a player, do you think it would be tough? Or is it, are you seeing the competition still being as, you know, as tough as it's always been? I, I think, you know, for me, 
it didn't matter if there was fans there or not. I, I mean, it does help you get pumped up. But you're, you're, you got to be that way, kind of self-motivated. I love the fans. It, it got you jacked up, you know, playing Welcome to the Jungle, and everyone's yelling and screaming, and it, it gets you really excited and ready to go. But uh, I think the play is good. It's, I think, you know, defenses are behind. They haven't been able to tackle and hit much. So you, you see a lot more missed tackles right now. Are we seeing a, an evolution of quarterbacks right now, uh, Chris? You, you, you pay attention a lot what's going on in Arizona. Kyler Murray is really exciting to watch. Lamar Jackson, of course, Russell Wilson, a few others as well. Is that kind of the trend you think we're going to see now? The NFL teams might be going compared to the, you know, the Drew Breeses of the world, and you know, even the Tom Brady's of the world. Is that going to be the next level, of the way the the game is going to evolve with the mobile quarterbacks like that? I think it is. I think you know, that's it's, it's another facet of the game. These guys are throwing the ball great. Kyler Murray, you know, all the all these these young guys are playing really high level football. Russell Wilson, of course, is playing fantastic. But I do think that is a factor. You can, you know, you look at Cam Newton's doing. You know, they, they went mm-hmm. from 20 years of a drop back quarterback, and Cam's in there doing both. He's throwing up great, and he's running. That is a, a, definitely a, a weapon. If you got a guy that can run like Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson, I mean, it's just these guys are just so explosive, so fast, and. The run-pass option stuff has become a big part of the game now. Chris, you were very close to to Fred Zamberletti. As a player, you probably knew him as well as anyone. Tell us a little bit about Freddie and, and maybe what uh, he meant to you, to the team, and what you want the people listening to know about Fred Zamberletti. He's the best. Uh, I miss him. He's he always, you know, having fun and, and uh, joking around and teasing. And, and we would play cribbage, you know, all the time. I, I dislocated my left thumb. I think it was 95 or 96. He goes, hey, boy, let's go back there and teach you how to play some cribbage. So we'd sit back in that, that, that room, and there was the storage room with Batty <laughs> and We'd sit back there and hide. And I, I had a, a, a cast, like a small cast in my head, and I couldn't shuffle cards. So I went and got a card shuffler so he could teach me how to play. We were paying 40 bucks a game, you know. I was going to say, that, those are some expensive lessons. Those yeah. were expensive lessons, weren't they? And then as soon as I learned how to play, he goes, ah, let's, let's knock down to $5 a game. <laughs> <laughs> he was, you know, the guy that, you know, he, he grew up, you know, around the Great Depression. He was a total, like, he, he would go and take all the, the crackers and cheese off the plane and keep it all, and he could bring an extra bag to get off the shrimp cocktail and, like, all this stuff and the candy and all that. He didn't spend a dime, and he had so much money. <laughs> it was so cheap. But, you know, that scarcity mentality. He was just so much fun. We, we played bocce in the locker room. He, he loved playing bocce ball, so in the offseason we'd do that. Really good old-school kind of guy. I mean, he was, my back would spasm up, and he'd take, you know, Dave Dixon and Burke and put knuckles on my back, and he'd lean on top of their hands to try to break the spasm. Old-school stuff. Now, <laughs> You had so many characters. You mentioned Fred Zamberletti, who was, you know, is a longtime athletic trainer, then turned into the historian of the Minnesota Vikings. God rest his soul. But you had characters uh, in the front office. You had characters as coaching staff, I think, of the great late Johnny Michaels. It seems like the game has become more corporate for, you know, it's just the league itself and everything else that goes with it. Uh, And I, I think that maybe players today have missed out on the relationships that you have and continue to have from your teammates. And I don't know if today's game will allow that once these guys move on to their next uh, stage in life. You know, back before free agency, guys would say with, you know, the, you know, the old Viking team, that guys would all play together for 10 years, you know. Right. And, and uh, we had a core group of guys for nine or 10 years um, in Minnesota, uh, but it was a small core group. You know, the careers are so short. Guys are going from team to team. 
are we getting out of the league, you know, all together? It's so, so competitive. But I think those memories, when, you have a, when you're in one place and, you, and you, for a long period of time, you get those kind of experiences. When you're bouncing around, right? it's not the same thing. It's not the, the depth of it, you know. The other thing that, um, that I remember and miss the most are just the guys in the locker room, uh, especially when they go behind the doors and mess around with Dennis Ryan. But how many gallons of Dennis Ryan coffee do you think you consumed throughout your time here? So much coffee. And it, it, it got worse when you know, I was coaching up there. I was like, you just all day. And I was like, I got to start drinking black coffee. Or I'm going to gain 50 pounds of this cream and sugar. <laughs> and the coffee wasn't that good. <laughs> but Randall McDaniel uh, was known for drinking how many pots of coffee before a game. He would talk about it. I mean, I just scratched my head. I go, now how he wouldn't be jumping out of his skin because he's like three, four pots of coffee before game time. Then I think he'd like climb the stairs of the of the Hilton where we stayed. You know, <laughs> we'd walk up the stairs to warm up. With this. And you know, he would only he would only his pregame meal consisted of candy. Yeah. Well, just I mean, Chris, talk about I mean, think about the locker room before the game between Randall McDaniel, uh, what John Randall would do, what all these yeah. guys would would do before the game. It was quite a three hours in pregame. Oh yeah, it was totally. And I'm I'm running through like. The locker room doing swim moves over guys just running full speed in the locker room. I had my you know, three pots of coffee too, and I, I don't need I didn't eat on game day. And I, I don't like having anything in my system before the game. So yeah, I think my favorite my favorite pregame memory was Bernard Daphne broke the toilet. Remember that? <laughs> I don't remember that. How did he break the toilet by sitting on it? Or did he just by sitting it? on it. Yeah, he broke. He, he was sitting on it during uh, yeah pregame, and you hear a crash, and out comes Bernard Daphne with his pants down. <laughs> Guy is all cut up from the porcelain. Oh gosh, he's a big boy. <laughs> he's a big yes, boy. He was. Chris, if you could, uh, you know, again, we mentioned some of the players on your football team, and one that uh, is being recognized even today is the late Corey Stringer, and and uh, I, I think of being on the media bus, listening to him do stand up, basically in the back of the bus. He was such a hilarious human being, but. Uh, it was an awful tough time for all, all the Minnesota Vikings in, in that particular day and, and what Big Core meant to, to this franchise and to his teammates. He was a stand-up comedian. He, he would do the, the clumps, you know, Hercules, Hercules, Hercules. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, he was great. And, you know, there was a lot of pressure on him, you know. He, they lost basically the whole offensive line down to Tampa. He just kept things light. He was tough as heck. And when it came to time to play and he was – he was there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that, was, that was the catalyst for that year, and we never really got through it. You know, that, was, that was the one losing season that Denny had when we went 5-11. and 11. That was tough. Um, yeah, Mitch, Mitch Berger, I, I talked to a lot. He, he keeps in touch with the, the Stringer family. That's uh, good to hear. Yeah, he was awesome. My favorite Corey Stringer was uh, we had a um, – I don't know if he was a practice squad guy, but his name was Crawford. He was a, uh, a, another offensive lineman, and, and Corey Stringer would call him Yella. And I remember one day Crawford asked him, he's like, why do you call me Yella? He goes, well, look at you. Your teeth are yellow. Your skin's yellow. Your underwear's yellow. He's like, you're just yellow. <laughs> he filled that, that void or filled that role of just being a, a total goofball, I mean, at times when you needed it, especially during training camp. Well, Chris Walsh, uh, thank thank you so much for spending some time with us on School Stories. It's it's great to hear your voice and know that you're doing well. And uh, thanks for all the great memories. And I uh, really appreciate all the times, good times we had together. 
doing our, our my uh, sports shows with you and, and the rest of those that uh, that gang and uh, just nothing but fond memories. So stay well, my friend. I will. One, one, one quick note. Remember when Johnny and Eddie were on, on your show and I walked out in the middle of the show? Oh, on. yeah. <laughs> that was Batman. They called him Batman Robin and I was Commissioner Gordon. Correct. Yeah. Was that, that, was, was that back? That was back when Mark would wear those Coogee sweaters. You remember those? <laughs> I still got a couple of those. Hey, be careful. That was the essence of live TV. Uh, it was it was a wonderful time, and that's what I mean. It was all about those relationships that I always appreciated. Thanks, well, thank Chris, so much. Uh, anytime. I'd, I'd love uh, catching up with you guys. So, anytime. Well, Pete, lots of great stories from Chris Walsh. I mean, you could listen to them all day long, especially I really appreciate all the stories about Randy Moss and what it was like to play in that 98 team. Yeah, it was. It was, uh, you know, that was a, an amazing year. You take a look at how the Vikings are doing now, and, and you just you look back on those times and appreciate uh, what it is uh, that we accomplished that year and what it took. And, you know, just the guys and all the guys that were that were part of it. I mean, that was – it's hard to put a price on that. you got to have mm-hmm. talent, but then you also have to have a, a team that, uh, that, that works together well, respects each other, and uh, goes out and just, you know, it's, it was always, it's not who was going to make the big play or not what or if, it was always who. Right. So that's that's kind of the cool thing. So as we look ahead, uh, 0-3 versus 0-3, as my uh, counterpart, the common man, would say, somebody's always got to go. Do the Vikings just have to build on what happened last Sunday and look at the good things and just improve the little things that cost them the opportunity to win that game against Tennessee? You look at the Indianapolis game and the four offensive opportunities that you had in the first half that you that you know a couple drops by you know you had a Rudolph one you had the Irv Smith one uh, you had the interception with BC coming over you had a bunch of little things right they fixed that so the offenses they're becoming explosive again do they have to work on the five minute drill yes at the end of the game of course defensively you just have a couple of major mental errors that you have to fix you cannot give up explosive plays in the passing game. So, yes, if they can just continue to incrementally get better, yes, those wins are going to come. And, you know, the Texans, they have their problems as well. So if the Vikings can go down there, play a physical style of of football. And uh, we've had good history going down to Texas and going down to Houston for whatever reason we play well down there. So uh, we know what they have to do. They know what they have to do. It's just a matter of going out there on Sunday and doing it. And if they do, they'll come away winners. That well put. We'll end it right there. Pete, thanks again for being uh, involved with Skull Stories. And thank you, fans, for tuning in to another episode of Skull Stories. We want to thank Chris Walsh, presented by CenturyLink, trusted technology partner of the Minnesota Vikings. We'll see you all again next week. 